0: i Spaces
1: We're literally just firing this up right now. Thanks for joining guys. Uh, Starting this one a couple minutes early. Um, We will be getting started here in just a second. Uh, Super excited to have uh, quite the panel today. We have uh, the CIO of Bitwise. Bitwise notably one of the eight Bitcoin spot ETFs that got through. Um, Joining us today we've got Eleanor Tourette as well. We've got Darren coming up here as co-host shortly. uh, We have Cody Carbone and Alex Chizek from the Chamber of Digital Commerce. We have Solo Cissé, who is the CEO of Galaxy. So, we're going to be talking about all things um, Spot Bitcoin ETS being approved, the wider impact on the crypto markets moving forward as well. So, give us a couple of minutes and we will get the ball rolling here. I know Darren's having some space issues. Are we still, are, are people still having spaces issues? I know a couple of days ago, um, Everybody was rugging across the board. I see Eleanor coming in. So, Eleanor, I'm going to send you an invite to come up as well. Uh, Darren is dealing with some technical issues. Again, if you guys are just joining right now, super excited to be kind of diving into the weeds of uh, spot Bitcoin ETFs being approved. Uh, quite the panel up here today. Eleanor Tourette, obviously Fox Business. Oh, we've got Matt Hogan coming in, who is the CIO of Bitwise. Bitwise, notably one of the eight Bitcoin ETFs. They got through Alex Chizik and Cody Carbone from the Digital Chamber of Commerce, or Chamber of Digital Commerce, uh, and Solo C. Se, who is the CEO of Galaxy. So while Darren deals with the tech issues, Eleanor, how is the, uh, the mic on my end? Can we do a quick mic check? Because I know Twitter was nasty a couple of days ago.
2: Yeah, mic sounds good to me. Hopefully mine is good, too. Awesome.
1: Uh, Maybe we start with just maybe a brief intro, Eleanor, while we're kind of um, we I know we wanted to start this early um, to bring you up here to ask you a few uh, questions as well, because time constraints. But if you could give just a brief intro of yourself and then we'll get into the weeds with some questions here. I think most of the other panelists probably hopping on in about 10 minutes or so.
2: Yeah, sure. So my name is Ellie or Eleanor Terrett. <clears throat> as most of you know me on Twitter, I am a producer and a journalist for Fox Business Network here in New York City. And I, <laughs> so my day job is a producer for Charlie Gasparino. My side hustle is reporting on crypto. And I am particularly interested in the regulation side of cryptocurrency. And obviously, that falls into the category, the Bitcoin spot ETFs fall into that category. So I was covering these things pretty closely. And yeah, it's it's been a really interesting start to the year. I think (laughs) obviously there's never a dull day in crypto and I say that all the time. But it really has been the last three weeks have been very, very uh upbeat, very um, I'd say (laughs) just turbulent if you're gonna talk about the SEC hack and and everything that happened on those couple days leading up to the actual approval And, and now we've got the Coinbase hearing and yeah, just lots of stuff going on, but it's very, very fun and interesting to cover. So I'm having a great time.
1: <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, um, Ellie. Uh, D- Darren, how's the mic? I know that you were having some tech issues. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. How am I sounding? Good, good. Um, yeah, well, so we have about 10 minutes here just with Ellie, which is awesome. You mentioned you mentioned the SEC Twitter quote unquote hack. I'm curious from uh, the due diligence and maybe the, the research aspect on your end, Eleanor, um, It sounded, it was really interesting just to kind of watch how all of that unfolded. Um, Obviously, the day before all uh, eight spot ETFs being passed, um, the SEC basically putting out, actually, it was a little bit before they said that they were hacked. It was like two days prior to, there was like some tweets that were kind of giving a little bit of, you know, kind of risk advice as far as crypto. And then I think the the morning of the day before, there was this kind of long thought process document that was like, if you're going to invest in cryptocurrencies make sure you di- <laughs> make sure you diversify and stuff like that and then a few hours later was the the hack i'm curious in that regard because i saw you put out a tweet i think it was like the night of uh your thoughts surrounding the cybersecurity aspects of the sec um two-factor authentication kind of if you could run us down some of the research aspects that you did after that event occurred that would be fantastic and maybe just share your thoughts a little bit.
2: Yeah, sure. So it's became pretty clear, you know, five minutes, maybe more like 15 minutes after the SEC's account got compromised, right? We saw Gary Gensler put out his own tweet saying that the X account was compromised and that, in fact, the Bitcoin spot ETFs had not yet been approved by the commission. Um, And obviously, we saw the great memes that came along with that. There was all that. talk i guess it was Cybersecurity month in october of 2023 so the sec went on a bit of a pr campaign where that was concerned and you had tweets by gary gensler's official account saying don't forget to do things like two-factor authentication and make sure your passwords are secure and they're strong <laughs> and so you know I, I think i even put out a tweet myself saying you know how it started and how it's going um but yeah kind of digging into to everything post that i mean i think people picked up pretty quickly on the fact that the SEC had this past year in 2023 established new rules new cybersecurity rules for public companies so and I want to I want to dive into that a little bit deeper because I think a lot of people were like oh well they don't even follow their own rules well (laughs) that that may be true in in another sense but but with the cybersecurity um, rules that they they updated and came out with in June those are for public companies that, that actually, you know, uh, that register with the SEC, right? So so not necessarily the rules that the SEC has for itself. However, there was an executive order that President Biden put out, I believe it was May of 2021, that said, all federal agencies have to come into compliance with the, the new cybersecurity laws or the new cybersecurity um, standards, I guess, of the federal government. And in that, in that order was, it was mentioned two-factor authentication. So, you know, that that was a request, that was an order made by the administration in 2021. And it turns out the SEC did not have two-factor authentication turned on on their X account. Now, I mean, I, I don't remember a time when I didn't, when I couldn't log into an email or to, you know, a, um, an app, a secure app, like a wallet or something like that, or, you know, anything that's got kind of sensitive data that even Facebook, Instagram, where I didn't have to have two-factor authentication turned on. I feel like that's pretty much the standard these days. And it's really interesting that it just so happened that the SEC's X account, which has, by the way, I'm not sure exactly how many followers it has, but it's gotta have, uh, let's see, it's got, okay, so nearly a million followers, it's got 750,000 followers, didn't have that 2FA turned on. Um, I think a lot of people were, were surprised to see that, um, and then you know you've got things like uh, other. Uh, if you go back into the uh, inspector general's reports, they they do oversight of the SEC and they they come out with reports every year on um, how the you know how the agency is doing in terms of like compliance and and things they could do better. Cybersecurity uh, initiatives beefing up those initiatives were mentioned in both the 2022 investor uh, investor um, inspector general report and the 2023. So it's. It's been a topic of discussion you know inside the SEC and and with those people that oversee it. Um so it, did the SEC you know completely just you know drop the ball in this in this case where a lot of people were completely duped by this this uh, this erroneous tweet and and markets did move, right? and And I guess the ironic part too is that the SEC you know will it investigate itself for market manipulation now because because the price of Bitcoin jumped. Um, There's some question over whether it would be the SEC or the CFTC who would look into the specifics of that. But I think just the whole thing was was shocking and definitely thrown into uh, a greater light. You know, these government agencies and how their internal security systems may not be that strong and 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 going forward, what is going to be done about it? I mean, Congress is already asking for hearings. They're sending letters. They want to get to the bottom of it.
1: Yeah, and I think it's interesting, um, you know, we, we hear consistently kind of from the regulator's purview, you know, the SEC's job is obviously to protect investors. I just There seems to be like a level of hypocrisy whenever you, whenever you hear things like bad actors or, you know, cryptos, you know, there's, there's a lack of security and in, in different types of aspects within crypto. Um, and then an entity, a single entity that literally has, like you mentioned, the power to move markets. That doesn't even have two-factor authentication uh, turned on on their accounts. I mean, it's a bit concerning. I did see, and I don't know if you saw it, Ellie or not, but um, I think it was Stuart Alderati um, from Ripple putting out almost immediately after that. After that, as well, that there should be some sort of a breakdown, unless you, unless that's what you, a breakdown of what actually happened, kind of a background of the incident and steps to to be taken to kind of. Um, uh, fix you know, the different security issues in, in place, but or was that kind of falling under the purview of the public company aspect, or I don't know if you saw that tweet from Stuart or not.
2: Um, I didn't. Uh, I'll go back and look at it, but I believe, that, you know, I guess if he's he's asking for a breakdown, maybe he means, you know, uh, we do know that the FBI is obviously involved now, and the Office of the Inspector General, um, they're, they're starting their own investigations into it, but... Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not would have to look at that tweet from Stuart. But but I, you know, he makes a good point, regardless whether it's the whether it's the rules that the SEC has laid out for public companies or internal rules that it was supposed to follow themselves like itself. Both are just as bad really, because if you if you are an entity that's preaching these these rules, right, to, to public companies, you have to do this and these are the standards that in order for you to compliant as a publicly traded company in the us you have to follow these rules but we're not going to follow them so i think you know either way it's it's still pretty um it's still pretty shocking that the sec suffered this kind of hack when really i mean it's just such an easy fix and it wasn't it wasn't like a big data hack into the sec's um like internal i guess uh like customer data like you know the data systems from public companies it wasn't that it was it was a simple 2fa Switch that they could have put on the on the X account. I guess they just didn't take they they just didn't think about the fact that if if that account gets hacked and and puts out erroneous information, then then markets could also move. like the the X account is just as much of a liability as the SEC data systems would be.
1: And I think um, I know we have a couple of minutes with you until some more panelists come in. So obviously, after that occurred, you know we saw the day after um, I think all eight of the spot uh, ETFs being approved. I'm curious from from your standpoint standpoint because you've been covering from the traditional business side um, as a journalist as well as kind of from the crypto side as much as you possibly can um, if, you, if we look at public perception of of crypto and crypto adoption, I'm curious what your thoughts are with with something like bitcoin etfs going live uh, if that's going to kind of transform the public perception and then I would love your thoughts on top of that as far as you know perception around or at least getting you know you know, kind of the initiative to to get the word out about other digital assets potentially getting a foot in the door. Just maybe your personal opinion on on what that might look like.
2: Well, I think the ETFs have been a success. I mean everything that has come out of of James and Eric's Twitter feeds and those are the those are the ones I, I go to for data surrounding the ETFs, you know, whether it's volume or inflows. And it, they say it was a successful launch and by the numbers it it seems like they're correct i mean i think today or yesterday bitcoin overtook silver to become the second biggest commodity etf right right behind gold so and that's only from a week of trading so already you're seeing records being broken with with these etfs that i think a lot of people outside the crypto world were skeptical about right i mean um, I'm, I know the SEC is is inherently skeptical of crypto and we're kind of, I guess, Garrigan's was a little bit, his hand was forced into this into this approval of the ETFs because there really were no other barriers to investing in it once all the disclosures had been made. Um, but, and then I think BlackRock is now the number one, it's leading in, in volume. It's also leading in uh, holdings of Bitcoin. I think BlackRock now has 1 billion, of Bitcoin in there in its ETF, so these numbers are moving quickly. And and I'm not I haven't really studied ETFs before this. It's actually one of the beautiful things of covering crypto, right? There's so many different industries it touches. Um, and I say industries, I mean like other disciplines, like um, you know, like the law, courts. Like I'm, I'm getting really savvy on this legally stuff now. After <laughs> between Ripple and between Coinbase, and and then you've got the traditional finance side of things now with with ETFs and um, kind of like how how TradFi is getting involved. And I think you asked, is this a good thing? Is this good for for the space? I, I think it is. I mean. I, visibility can't hurt and and I said this on, on another um, podcast this week that you know five or six years ago there was not this conversation surrounding cryptocurrency and and I know that the big focus right now is on bitcoin, but you know a bitcoin spot etf approval is a big milestone and and I think anything after that is fair game I mean I think there's all likelihood that the bitcoin um i'm sorry an ethereum spot etf will will be approved at some point in the future, and then that could open up the gates to potentially other altcoins as well. I think we may need to see some changes in in the lineup at the SEC for that to occur, but obviously we'll we'll keep an eye on that. Gary's tenure is up at 2026. But with the election this year, we could we could see some movement before then. But yeah, I, I think it's I think visibility is great. I mean, you've got these traditional, some of the biggest asset managers in the world, right? You've got BlackRock actually having its own ETF, but then you've got these other Big um, investors like uh, Merrill—not investors, but um, advisors—Merrill Lynch. um, I know Vanguard has become pretty notorious for for not allowing the spot ETF exposure, but you know Merrill Lynch, um, uh, Edward Jones, um, and I'm naming ones that actually aren't allowing them, just because they're coming to my head, but but. But big names on wall street right big big financial players are now talking about bitcoin and seeing the success that the ets have had over the last week so definitely a positive um, i hopefully hopefully the same will go for opening up the rest of the industry as well i think a lot will hinge on a lot hinges on this coinbase case i, I wrote an article yesterday you know the, the sec's involvement in regulating crypto Rests on the Coinbase case. It also um, will could be affected by the Supreme Court case right now. The they're they're talking about overturning this thing called the Chevron doctrine, which was in 1984. Um, It's a precedent that was set in 1984 that basically says the um, the courts can uh, or sorry the um, the courts will defer to the agencies to the federal agencies on um, on certain mandates that they think you know they have jurisdiction over. But they're they could be about to overturn that. So. You know, in a nutshell, that means that the power of the regulatory agencies may be about to be scaled back. So you partner that with a potential Coinbase victory. You know, you've got the SEC really being reined in by by Congress, by the Supreme Court. So it, it's positive developments, and and just the the sheer you know interest in these Bitcoin spot ETFs. I mean, I have every day people like my friends and stuff who who follow me on social media, they're like, oh yeah, like you know we this, this, this Bitcoin spot ETF has been really, it's been really popular. Like we're even hearing about it at work. Like I have friends who work in, in tradfi on wall street and, and they're talking about it there. So it, it's great. I mean, I'm sure you agree with me that it is, it can only be a positive in that sense.
1: Yeah. And uh, really appreciate your insight on that. Um, Ellie as well. I want to welcome up to the stage, uh, Alex Chizak. Alex is, Alex is the, um, well, not, um, foreign to uh, coming on these shows before. And certainly, uh, I think this is the first time in 2024, though, certainly want to welcome Alex back. Alex is the COO at the Chamber of Digital Commerce. I also believe that we are going to have Cody uh, Carbone coming on with us in probably about 25 minutes here. Uh, Cody is the Chief Policy Officer at the Chamber of Digital Commerce. Uh, we have the man, the myth, uh, the legend himself, Solo Cissé. Solo is the CEO of Galaxy. Uh, up here with us today. And we should be uh, having Matt Hogan coming, who is the CIO of Bitwise. Bitwise, notably uh, one of the eight uh, spot Bitcoin ETFs that made its way through here. So uh, Matt, if you're in the audience, feel free to raise your hand as well, sir. Uh, Yep. I'll bring up Bitwise right now. Um, As we kind of bring uh, the entire panel of guests up here, Darren, I don't know if you maybe just had a quick follow-up for Ellie as well. I know you had a question, and then I'm going to pull up some of the other additional aspects that we have here for the whole panel.
3: Yeah, I was watching an uh, interview with uh, Charles and, and Larry Fink and, and Larry Fink was talking about the Bitcoin ETF and it was kind of going into the utility of just uh, crypto in general, being able to, to tokenize the stock market and the QSIP codes and everything. So I was just wondering if uh, you had any thoughts, uh, you know, once BlackRock decided to, to throw their hats in the ring, that's when we really saw, um, you know, movement come out of the SEC.
2: Yeah, I, I think so. I think Grayscale's court win also had obviously a big influence. But yeah, no, totally. When you've got people like Larry Fink, head of the most influential and biggest asset manager in the world, telling you that his company wants to start a Bitcoin spot ETF, and, and Bitcoin actually has a viable use case, and it's not just a vehicle for criminals and crooks, then as head of the SEC, as, as Gary Gensler and his commission, there's a certain element of okay, we, we've we've got to listen to that, and then of course you've got on the other hand you've got the you've got the Jamie diamonds who are constantly, constantly putting down Bitcoin, putting down crypto. Um, he's he said some interesting things at Davos over the last couple of days, but then again, then you I keep saying look at the actions, not the words. I mean, J P Morgan is is directly involved in a number of these spot ETFs, and um, I mean with Larry. What I thought was great about that interview is he kind of gave us a timeline on his on his when he turned. Right. So he 2017, he was totally skeptical, thought Bitcoin was just a fraud. And he told us that it was late 2020, early 2021, when he really started to realize that there was a viable use case. And and he cited other countries who have, you know, dictatorships. uh, countries that devalue the currency, um, that you know, kind of um, oppress their people, right? And and they don't necessarily trust their government. So, having Bitcoin as a potential store of value and a way to move money um, across borders is is really, you know, <laughs> those words came out of Larry Fink's mouth. So I thought that was that's definitely a, a change in tide. Um, and BlackRock itself, I mean, they they're. They're good name, right? They obviously very renowned. And it was yesterday, I believe the the head of ETFs was on Bloomberg and she said that BlackRock itself just in the last week has seen their flows coming from retail investors, independent investors and also independent investors and also investors that are new to Bitcoin. So. This sort of word of mouth thing, and uh, you know, obviously having having Larry as as someone who really believes in the product, is is helping, and it's also helping attract people that may nece- not necessarily have have thought to invest before. Maybe the people who were listening to Jamie Dimon and not Larry Fink. Maybe maybe that's going to be a, a way that we get more adoption um, into Bitcoin and, and into crypto.
1: I want to um, introduce uh, Bitwise up on the stage as well. I think that we have Matt Hogan, who is the CIO at Bitwise, with us today. Bitwise, notably, um, one of the spot Bitcoin ETFs that was approved. Um, just looking at some of the statistics kind of as, as an introductory here, um, $370 million of inflows in the first four days of trading, which is massive. Bitwise also notably has the lowest fees um, out of all of the Bitcoin spot ETFs that are alive right now. Darren, um, I want to thank you for uh, the outreach uh, to Bitwise and to Matt. So uh, maybe I kind of, I think the way we're going to tackle this guys, since we do kind of have kind of a, a panel and there's a lot of different um, people from a lot of different ecosystems and a lot of different, spe- different specialities. Darren, I'm probably going to let you run with the first question with Bitwise and then maybe we go back and forth and kind of do a round robin with the panelists up here. But Darren, feel free to uh, take it away with, uh, with Matt here.
2: Yeah,
3: I was just wondering if um, when you're dealing with the SEC, it must be extremely stressful. Can you explain some of the roadblocks that were placed in the way of the ETF approval? And do you think there'll be retaliation from the SEC and other regulators because the Bitcoin ETF was passed? Oh, wow, great, great question.
4: And, and hey, everybody, this is Matt Hogan, uh, CIO of Bitwise. Really excited to be on this call. Uh, It was an exhausting process working with the SEC. We actually started working on our Bitcoin ETF filing more than four years ago. I think we had more than 30 meetings with the SEC, and it was uh, both intensely rewarding and emotionally challenging because the goalposts would move over time. I do think it's probably worth noting that there's sort of two layers to the SEC. There's the SEC staff, which are the, the lawyers who actually work on issues. And then there's the commissioners who, you know, led by Gary Gensler and the four others make the ultimate votes. The, the staff is uh, incredibly great to work with. They're deeply engaged. Uh, they seem reasonable, uh, fair, balanced. And uh, we spent many hours with them working on research Uh, related to the ETF. The the frustrating part was that there was a political overlay that introduced uncertainty into the equation. Uh, And so you're always sort of trying to play some version of 3D chess to move the ball forward. You know, the the biggest challenge, of course, was the SEC's worry about market manipulation in the Bitcoin market and uh, efforts to convince them that the Bitcoin market was mature enough to um, support the ecosystem the most frustrating aspect of that was that from our view all the statistical data and facts supported the case that the bitcoin market was institutional and mature and on par with other markets that had etfs and we sort of submitted over 400 pages of research uh, in our view demonstrating that but you were uh to some extent fighting against um parts of the agency that were anchored on what crypto was like five or ten years ago and so uh, it was just frustrating to to constantly try to uh, answer questions with data only to have more questions pop up down the road but in the end it was worth it in the end we got a spot bitcoin etf uh it's saving americans uh millions and soon to be hundreds of millions of dollars a year and uh and letting them access a safer product so frustrating emotionally challenging tiring long and expensive but ultimately worth it
3: uh, okay so uh i guess brian rugged i thought i rugged for a second so uh i i assumed it i assumed it was uh it was me not him but um so the the next question was for 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 uh the digital chamber of commerce and i just wanted to to know how you foresee the approval of the bitcoin etfs impacting regulatory policies and the legal landscape for
5: crypto in the us yeah hey everyone uh this is alex from the chamber um and just a small little plug you know congrats matt and bitwise we represent bitwise on um, capitol hill they're a member of ours and so we, we couldn't be happier for them and couldn't be happier for some of the flows you guys are seeing as well as your awesome commercials <clears throat> so um we are uh we're, we're celebrating right there with you and i know that the process has been has been an intense process um i think i think our work you know continues this took off we're kind of chipping away here right at the uh at regulators and at congress ultimately we need crypto legislation actually true pro innovation crypto legislation because we can't keep on doing this and funding for the courts. I mean, obviously we are as an industry, but it's not a sustainable path forward. <clears throat> so we need to continue educating, continue pushing forward. I'm very encouraged by what's going to happen in 24. Uh, it's a big year, it's a big elections year. Uh, we're going to be doing a lot of things for the elections as well as I'm sure other folks are as well. We have three presidential candidates, the Sanders, Vivek and RFK that are openly pro uh, our industry. I think taking Bitcoin off the table uh, as proving a spot ATF will draw in money which will draw in political pressure for everyone to act and once I, I hope that regular Main Street investors come in, they will put pressure once their money is in and they get uh, a taste of what our industry can do. I think it will put pressure on the democratic side and right now what's it's kind of it used to be nonpartisan before SPF. Currently, it's becoming pretty partisan with the Republicans pro and Democrats against. Although there are many good Democrats like Richie Torres and, and uh, Gillibrand who are very, who understand our industry uh, and are pro, but some of the other folks have kind of pulled back quite significantly. And so, what I'm hoping is next is stablecoin legislation, and we can take that one off the table. And once we take stablecoin legislation off the table, we go and re- and revisit some of the more. Uh, like the Lomax Gillibrand bill, um, Emmer's bill, Warren's bill, that are that are pro innovation, uh, pro the crypto industry, and will allow folks like Bitwise, Fidelity, and so on, not to have to fight. or Grayscale, really, the Grayscale paved the way for us all, but not to fight this thing in courts, but actually have clear rules of the road. Um, are drawn, but the, the the work doesn't stop and i'll I'll end with this. I think now that we have the ETF, okay, I preach this on every Twitter spaces that I go on and and every every conversation that I have. if we want all of this money to come into our space and share our joy and and our space, our industry with the world, we have to have to have to become more mature. And in the way we talk about digital assets, in the way we talk about these products, in the way we teach and, and, um, and prepare people for the volatility. And I keep saying this, that the worst situation for us, I think could be that by the time people buy into the ETFs, we're gonna be towards the top. And we have, you know, Joe and Jane Main Street buying at the top, and if they see a cycle of writing down, they're about they're going to pick up the phone and call the congressmen, representatives in twenty five and twenty six, and say, "What is this crypto fraud, et cetera, et cetera?" We have to be very mature. We have to guide people in. You know the some of the shilling of coin going to the moon has to stop, and and we all have to lead by example here. And I and I really implore on everyone here to, uh, to you know n- we made it. This is the you know thanks to folks like Bitwise. We're now in in the limelight and now it's time to step up and, and act like the mature industry that we uh, aspire to be.
1: Solo, I want to ask you, <laughs> and by the way, Solo is the CEO of Galaxy. Um, Solo, you were just at Davos. Before we get into that, I just kind of want to hear about the thought process and some of the discussions that were at Davos and, and hear your thoughts around, you know, um, what topics were actually being talked about. Um, as far as, you know, adoption is there, are people excited about the prospect of digital assets and the technology? Um, but I know that, you know, uh, Alex mentioning just being a little bit more mature and things like that around the way that we educate people around digital assets. you were in a pretty interesting t- a Twitter space last night that I caught, which was crazy, but I would love for you maybe just to give it, just a brief uh, summary of maybe, maybe your experience at, um, at Davos, and for those not aware, obviously, the World Economic Forum holds Davos on an annual basis, but uh, Solo, uh, was there a lot of thought processes around, um, uh, you know, engagement around technology, digital assets, things like that at Davos this year? It seemed like there was.
6: Yeah, no, absolutely. Can you guys hear me? Am I coming through clear?
1: Yep. You sound great. Awesome. Sounds
6: good. Yeah, no. So uh, Davos was uh, quite interesting. And obviously, uh, you know, for those who may not be familiar, you know, Davos is uh, is 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 a village in Switzerland where the World Economic Forum uh, holds its annual meeting. Um, But in Davos, there are also a lot of people who use that opportunity to meet with a lot of other key stakeholders and players. Um, very powerful figures within all different types of industries, not just, you know, payments, Web3, infrastructure. It could also be healthcare, all these different types of things. In terms of what people were focused on, uh, you know, obviously on the back of the, you know, awesome news and the approval of the Spot Bitcoin ETF, um, you know, I think when you think about how people were educating and a lot of the discussions around the philosophies behind crypto but also just the philosophies behind money and how we assign value to things um i think a lot of that was a lot of education based discussion on you know what the implications and ramifications are for you know fiat-based currency debt-based economies and kind of the downfalls and we're starting to see that with you know us having a little bit more difficulty um, you know, controlling at least within the world, of, within the United States, like the you know economic state of our country has been quite volatile. You know, as you know, the stakes have gotten higher. Um, but I think in terms of you know Bitcoin being seen as a potential you know digital gold, and you think about fiat currency, or when you think about the evolution of fiat currency and what it really did is that it was that bridge mechanism for us to allow ourselves to trade efficiently, right? When you think about the ways in which we were transacting, you know, far, far, far in the past, a lot of discussions at davos we're really talking about kind of like how bitcoin is a full circle moment for us when we think about barter and trade right so if you wanted to trade apples for oranges back in the day you had to make sure that you found somebody that equally valued or not equally valued but valued oranges if you wanted apples for instance right Um, but then it became the issue that like you know if you wanted you know pears, but the person didn't really care for apples and you only had apples then it was inefficient so we needed this bridge currency um, aka fiat, fiat money to make that happen we had the gold standard we eventually debased from that and went to um, you know, a, a world where we assigned value, um, you know, to assets based off of the power of, you know, the, the issuing entity, right? So we trust in the U.S. government, um, which really allowed you to, you know, really allowed us to to think about value as this sort of stockpile or this sort of, um, you know, world where we assign value based off of, you know, who says it has value and like who, you know, it's a game on who, who, who agrees. And we all agree in, in aggregate. But what Bitcoin allows us to do is. Create a scarce asset that can't be contro- controlled or manipulated by one person. Um, but it also allows us to fractionalize that asset. Like gold was not that asset. You couldn't efficiently trade with gold in the past, hence fiat money being printed to be able to efficiently create trade. And so I think people at Davos from a high level you know perspective at least the world of crypto and our our job in educating like you know had just been said by the gentleman before Kim, uh i think alex was just speaking about it is the idea of the philosophy of money and the ramifications of you know what this means um but to take that a step further just given you know we're all in the ecosystem or in the space um you know subsequent conversations had to do a lot with the usability of like the underlying asset as you know in, in our everyday lives right so the spot bitcoin etf is not something that could use to you know to, to to pay for anything right like and so what we still have within our industry are some you know really important uh, i wouldn't say obstacles but like uh opportunities for us to develop and increase the user experience that we have currently so that you know it become bitcoin and cryptocurrencies as a whole become viable uh, for us to use in our daily lives, right? Like you and I talk all the time, uh, you know, King Solomon about the idea of like, you know, we're all experts in crypto, but no one uses it to actually pay a friend back for anything, right? And so I think, you know, what we saw at, you know, uh, at Davos, which we you know, I was so happy to actually be a part of is, you know, a good friend of mine, a good friend of ours actually, Max Walker Williams, um, you know, was there and he actually was able to connect, you know, Dr. Lehman Baird, the inventor of Hashgraph Um, with Brad Garlinghouse, uh, CEO of Ripple, um, to discuss things like decentralized recovery mechanisms to increase that user experience so that... You know, people holding their own assets. The the concept of doing that isn't so daunting. But currently, with the tools that we have right now, oh, what's up, Max? You joined. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, people people you know the 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 assets or the or the idea of using crypto to the average person right now who currently uses the fiat banking system is so daunting, right? And so I think that's kind of you know as a, as a whole what I would say like Davos was about and kind of you know the conversations that I had and and what I saw. That's fantastic, Solo. Thank you.
1: I know, uh, Ellie, you have to hop probably in eight minutes or so, and then we're going to really kind of focus in on Bitwise. Uh, really excited to hear um, you know, everything that Bitwise is doing surrounding the Spot Bitcoin ETF. Definitely want to get into um, why Bitwise felt felt it was important to kind of really introduce uh, that, that financial product with the lowest fees that are literally out there in the market right now. Um, but Ellie, before you hop, I mean, I know Alex was discussing, I think we have, Cody Carbone coming in as well in about in about five to ten minutes, which will be awesome. Um, Alex was dis- discussing how critical it is to really educate um, the masses um, now that you know the cryptocurrency is kind of in the limelight here. Hopefully, to get away from some of these boom and bust cycles that we've historically had. But Ellie, from your purview and reporting, I mean, we can look across the crypto landscape right now, and there are lots of uh like crypto news sites that are like you know the news is like somebody's tweet on speculation things like that i'm curious from your standpoint how important (laughs) i know you're laughing how important it is um from the journalist standpoint to make sure that like now that everything's kind of really becoming into the spotlight uh or coming into the spotlight um how important due diligence is to try to eliminate just very basic common misconceptions about this space and um, what type of opportunities you see from the journalist standpoint uh, moving forward as crypto, you know, gains more and more mass adoption?
2: I'm laughing because it's so funny you bring that up. Charlie and I were talking about this not even an hour ago, where, where we were we were laughing at a couple of of websites that had, had chosen a tweet from Charlie back in December and written an entire article, unbeknownst to him, about this tweet that he'd put out. He goes, no one reached out to me about this. And I'm like, yeah, they don't. They just, they take stuff you say on Twitter and they make an entire article out of it. So it just the fact that you actually brought that up is funny. Um, but yeah, I mean, from a journalistic standpoint, I think there's no more exciting industry to to be involved in right now. And two years ago, when I started writing about cryptocurrency, about blockchain, I, I really started off. And, and as you know, um, you know everybody on the the hosts, um, Darren especially, King Solomon. You both know that I was covering the Ripple case pretty closely. So that was sort of my first foray into into the space, and, and why I do like the regulatory side of it. Um, but I can tell you from, you know, that was two years ago and and the difference between then and now with the interest from, you know, management uh, at Fox, um, you know, they are interested now in in cryptocurrency much more than they were a couple of years ago. And it's not like nobody was talking about it, but but a lot of mainstream media weren't really uh, talking about they were talking, focusing on the prices, focusing right on like the price of Bitcoin, on the price of Ethereum, much more focused on the. Uh, the investment side of, of cryptocurrency, but not the utility, not what it's used for, not the potential of what it could be used for down the road. So, the introduction of the ETFs and sort of, uh, I would say, you know, normalizing crypto in a sense, uh, making it a little bit more mainstream than it was. Uh, it's it's been night and day um, from a journalistic standpoint, and and I'm really excited to to keep covering the space because I think there's going to be a lot more news. There's going to be a lot more interest in the space as well. So. You know like i said between crypto i think you know obviously ai is another another interesting space to be able to cover but that's sort of a little bit futuristic um i do think crypto is is more of the here and now um due diligence you talked about i think that is that is so important not only from you know not only as a journalist covering anything right covering everything but but covering crypto specifically i mean there's there are so many fake news stories out there. There are so many accounts that post tongue-in-cheek um, posts, right, that post tongue-in-cheek uh, anecdotes that if you're not savvy or if you don't really, if you don't follow that person, you're not completely up to speed with their humor or their, you know, their MO, then then you might take that to be to be a serious you know, fact or a serious anecdote that you could use. So, you know and, and i'm saying this because i've i've fallen prey to to, to to that very thing you know fake news um that was put out in the past i mean I've, obviously we all fell fell victim to the sec's fake news blast last week but um but i'm talking more in terms of like you know crypto publications and and i think twitter now being such a it's a live newswire right i think we can all agree it's like you, you want up to the minute updates of what's going on in in any, you know, whether it's politics, whether it's, whether it's the war, whether it's cryptocurrency, you're getting the news first on Twitter, and that's a benefit, right? That's, that's great. But the caveat is that you have to really do your own due diligence, you have to do the research, because things get lost. It's like, it's like a telephone, right? You know, someone can say something, and someone else hears it, and it got a little skewed, and then they post it, and it blows up. So um, due diligence is very important, I think it'll be, uh, it'll get tougher and tougher as as AI becomes more of a thing. Um, I think there'll be AI bots that will write articles that will put out news. I think there's even like AI like bot accounts on Twitter now that are just like they just put out stuff to get likes and clicks. And it's just <laughs> you know you 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 have to and if you don't know already to do due diligence, like it's it's easy to kind of fall prey to something that that might have on the face of it have a lot of followers and you think okay that's a credible person that's a credible account but it it might not necessarily be that way so um definitely an interesting time to be in the space and i know for me like due diligence will be like number one on top of my list do you know talk to people get it from at least two sources you know before you before you blast it out on twitter so yeah i i don't take lightly the fact that i have a good number of followers who trust my coverage who who trust me to deliver news that's actually accurate so um that's that's my mission every day and (laughs) i'm looking forward to to keep carrying that out
1: that's fantastic ellie and you mentioned ai i mean you think about botted twitter spaces and things like that they're already occurring right now but i we had a space maybe a month ago um and i think it was uh one of the gentlemen from alliance block stating that they were just at the summit that was called the plug and play summit and there were some facts that they had kind of uncovered within that i think there's I can't remember if he said six or 7,000, uh, startups dealing in AI. Um, I don't know if it was this year or next year, but I mean, and a lot of that's going to tie directly into this space. I know AI is kind of a polarizing subject right now and we all know where it's at, but I, I sometimes wonder if, you know, if we might be putting the cart before the horse, um, Ellie really looking forward to all the content that you continue to put out. Uh, really see all the hard work and due diligence that you put in from the journalistic standpoint and would love to have you back on uh in the near future as well i know that your time's running um running a little bit here
2: thank you so much for having me have a great weekend everyone
1: uh darren i know that uh you had some uh some uh poignant questions for bitwise Uh, we're going to kind of continue the conversation here but i'm really excited to get down into the weeds so darren i'll let you take it from here with matt
3: yeah, thanks. Uh, Matt, so I wanted to know uh, what's the benefits of owning a uh, Bitcoin ETF versus just owning Bitcoin? And what does it mean for financial advisors now?
4: Yeah, great question. You know, I think individuals will do well to hold Bitcoin directly in a self sovereign format with their own keys on a ledger that's offline. I, I, we're, we're, we're huge supporters of the ability for people to be self-sovereign holders of Bitcoin. And we think that's phenomenal, but not everyone has the ability to do that. You mentioned financial advisors, financial advisors control about 40% of the wealth in America. They help other Americans invest their assets into the market. And financial advisors simply can't invest in an app. They simply can't put wealth onto a ledger. There are both uh, you sort of legal restrictions, and then there are practical restrictions. It has to fit into their reporting software. They have to be able to track it. They have to be able to monitor it. The ETF is a fantastic solution for them because it fits into all their traditional uh, platforms. They can buy now through BITB Bitcoin exposure in the same way that they might buy Apple stock or S and P five hundred exposure or exposure to the bond market, and that just puts uh, Bitcoin uh, into a new category with professional investors, it, it can sit right alongside stocks, bonds, etc. And that's, that's where we think most of the flows are going to come. Again, I think some retail self-directed investors will access Bitcoin through an ETF because it provides peace of mind. It lets them access institutional custody at extremely low fees. But we think the real unlock is for those professional investors who just simply couldn't access Bitcoin before. And as of last week, they can. And, you know, they've rewarded Bitwise with uh, close to 400 million dollars in flows over the first six days. I'm
1: curious from um, Alex, from your standpoint as well. I mean, one of the things that you that you really focus on within the chamber of digital commerce is promoting the acceptance um, and use of digital assets, blockchain-based technologies as a whole, um, have you guys seen a shift in sentiment? I mean, even given, I know it might be a little bit uh, in the short term here being the, being the spot Bitcoin ETFs were just approved, but I uh, do you expect to see a shift in sentiment regarding policymaking, given the fact that uh, now we've got kind of one, you know, a, an additional financial product, probably the, the biggest one that kind of attaches itself to the physical asset through the door. I would love your thoughts uh, on that.
5: Yeah. Um, it, it's a little short term to see a, a massive shift in sentiment policymakers, but I, I would break it down into three prongs: accepting Bitcoin, uh, accepting it as mainstream, and then accepting other crypto assets. Within other crypto assets, we've kind of pulled Bitcoin to the side, as I mentioned before, and Bitcoin stands on its own versus other assets. The other assets need to be the the, the Coinbase litigation is is going to be massive for the space, right? And so. Um, we wrote an Amicus brief. Many other people wrote Amicus brief uh, briefs for uh, for that uh, for that litigation. That's going to be pretty massive, and then the elections. So I I can't stress this enough. It's a big year. Twenty twenty four is a major major year. We have Cody on as well. Um, Cody, you can answer this question as well. Have we seen a shift in in uh, regulatory or or in sentiment on Capitol Hill post the ETF? And I'm saying, look, it's it's still short term to really fully understand, but ultimately elections have consequences and we need to make sure that we as an industry and as the a, as a Chamber of Digital Commerce put enough crypto friendly legislators at the state and at the federal level into office. That was going to have massive implications. Again, Bitcoin is very, the fact that it's here, it's no longer a taboo subject to talk about because you know folks like Matt, and Bidwise, and Fidelity and uh, BlackRock and others, have now made it mainstream. Now we need to make the other assets mainstream. That's going to come through legislation and through the elections, and so we still have a lot of work cut out for us. Let's definitely take this victory lap. It's a it's a watershed moment. I mean, this is a cliche, but it's true. You know, it's kind of like Jesus. You know, BC and AD. This is like before the ETF and after the ETF. Um, We'll definitely look back on this and and remember uh, and remember January twenty four as a as a major inflection point for the space and making it normal to talk about. But we have our work cut out for us on Capitol Hill. And Cody, you want to add anything?
7: Yeah, thanks, Alex, and, and thanks so much all for for having me on. I'll just say I I couldn't agree more with what you said, Alex. Uh, this is a major inflection point development for the industry. I mean, this was Bitcoin's IPO um, is how we've been referring it to it internally um now the one thing i will just say you know as we take this victory lap um we still need to be vigilant in our education and advocacy efforts on capitol hill you still have a large population of capitol hill unfortunately led by um the very powerful senator in the senate we all know who that is from massachusetts senator warren um who is still communicating that we have the opportunity to ban this technology. And for us, that all sounds insane and ridiculous, but for a a good population of Capitol Hill and in the regulatory agencies, there's this fundamental lack of understanding of of what we're talking about and, and what the technology is and what the promise is. And so there are still conversations that are ongoing, like can't we just ban it whenever they see a, a bad and incorrect headline in the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times? And fighting against that every day takes a collective effort. And so I would just continue, you know, as we are getting legitimacy, and as you know, this, this isn't for everyone at Capitol Hill, but as people start to wake up to the promise of this technology and just the demand um, from all of their constituents, to continue to just kind of you know be vigilant and continue to make sure that we're we're educating at all times because we need to get to a point where there is a a fundamental understanding across the board in Washington that this technology is here to stay that investors and consumers want this technology and they want access to it and that this is important to make sure that we keep it here in the United States and so I think this victory lap is deserved and it's important but we just have to stay vigilant because there that narrative. Of hey, let's just ban it. Let's just get rid of it. Continues to be somewhat pervasive, and every single day as as we have meetings and we do spaces like this and we have conversations in Washington, uh, we're we're getting one more person onto our side, and that's great. And we just have to keep at it.
5: By the way, just a quick a quick add to this uh, for everyone that's here: banning it isn't an outright ban. It could be, but it's also things that Europe is proposing. laws for twenty six where they're. They want to get rid of unhosted wallets or self-hosted wallets, I should say, right? That's effectively banning a lot of DeFi, a lot of the crypto tokens in our space. <clears throat> so they are creative ways of banning choke 2.0, choke 3.0, pressuring uh, uh, law firms.
7: Taxes uh, or, on electricity use.
5: Exactly. Taxes on electricity use, pressuring law firms, consulting firms that if you work with, we, we, we're going to protect the innocent, but we, we know these stories are real and true because our members are experiencing it, where they are getting massive. Literally, their their law firms and their tax and audit firms are being told by "I'll protect against the innocent" by certain regulatory accounting standards boards of to not deal with crypto companies, and they have to just pull back and say, we, we you know we can't audit you anymore." Um this isn't just happening in the US, it's also happening in many other Western countries. So we have to keep on pressing. We're not there yet, but this is a major step.
3: Matt, just um from from the recent trading days has um the volume uh, increase the, the overall crypto market, just from the spot, Bitcoin ETFs. And also I noticed that, that Bitwise has, uh, additional products as well as like, um, once for Ethereum, there's a private fund for Ethereum. Can you just kind of explain what, what a private fund for Ethereum is?
4: Sure. Yeah,
3: absolutely. I mean, I, I would say we're seeing healthy
4: liquidity across the crypto ecosystem. Uh, you know, these ETFs have brought in significant assets. You know, Bitwise has bought uh, something like 8,800 Bitcoin over the last six days. And we've been able to execute those trades at extremely tight spreads. And that's because, you know, it's not just these ETFs, there's a, a large institutional globally diversified liquidity ecosystem in in Bitcoin. This is really a institutional market. It's one of the more liquid markets in the world. And, you know, we, we the the launch of ETFs will eventually increase that liquidity. I don't think there's been a huge uptick in day one, but there's been a lot of trading and a lot of institutions coming into the space. And I would expect that to get better over time. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, you know, the great question on the Ethereum private fund. It's worth noting that Bitwise has been providing crypto funds for seven plus years. So while we just launched an ETF today, you know, or the last week before that, we had spent seven years building a business. We managed over a billion dollars in crypto assets across a variety of products, uh, private funds, OTCQX traded trusts. We run the largest crypto index fund in the world. The Ethereum private fund is available to accredited investors, and it uh, helps them gain exposure to Ethereum uh, the primary difference is, unlike the ETF, which is available to all and has intraday liquidity, the private fund is only available to those accredited investors and um, has uh, liquidity, I believe, on a weekly basis. So it's a, a longer-term oriented exposure. But we're committed to making accessing crypto, you know, safe and easy within the guidelines of uh, federal securities law and other investor protection laws and yeah, you know, we've been doing it for seven years. it's been it's been uh, an honor and a privilege.
1: Solo, um, I wanted to ask you, i mean as as a business leader in web three, um, you know, <laughs> social social-fi is obviously kind of one of the one of the big topics we've we've started to see. So it's always kind of about user experience. I'm curious with the introduction of Bitcoin ETFs and additional financial products in the future. Um, how did it how this affects a business like Galaxy? Do you think you know, we know that this space is not static. You think that over time, Galaxy, you know, will start looking into things like, well, as regulations become clearer and clearer um, to offer additional products to, to to Galaxy's clients or user base, things like that. Because I know that you kind of have a really forward looking uh, mindset in this space from what users are going to not only want, but need to uh, to mass onboard into the space.
6: Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, one thing that was just, you know, just said, which was really important is just like the federally regulated asset, right? Like the ETF and, it's quite interesting because, you know, it is Bitcoin's IPO. It is an acknowledgement from Wall Street. And like, I guess to, to to put some context into, you know, why I might be saying what I'm saying, like I came from a world of investment banking prior to doing Galaxy. So uh, I am a licensed or I guess I, I guess my things are out of Spire. But like uh, I have all those licenses and stuff like that. So quite intimately familiar with the regulatory process as pertains to securities law. Um, uh, and I think when you think about Bitcoin as a as a whole, it's it's one of those things where it's like it's almost ironically, yes, it is Bitcoin's public like IPO, but like Bitcoin is always been for the public. It's like kind of the point, you know. It's like a, one of those things that I think the biggest barrier to that. Um, you know, actually being realized in our everyday lives is obviously fear mongering or like, you know, the, 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 the parties or the, or the ecosystems around, uh, you know, the asset class looking to try and, um, you know, and try and curtail its progress um, is like the main thing. But I think from, you know, our perspective, I think it still really lies in that usability, you know, perspective. I think that's like the biggest impact it will have uh you know on 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 uh you know uh decentralized technology or at least from you know our perspective because I'm not quite sure you know the the Bitcoin ETF is a great retail product as it present day just because the the um just because the usability of the actual underlying asset is still not uh to the to the level of which you know people are are comfortable using you know the everyday person and so I think from our perspective you know seeing that as a as an opportunity to really reinvent the way in which we think about interacting on chain and building out better user journeys to facilitate that. It's kind of, you know, where we see the biggest opportunity we really do believe in. And, you know, like uh, you know, Bitwise had just mentioned, like we believe in the idea of being able to own your own assets as well. But like the access and the ability and the comfortability of the ETF is good right now for the fact that there is that gap in user experience. But then on the institutional side, it also allowed a lot of these guys on Wall Street to basically productize and sell Bitcoin exposure to these guys who ordinarily and I can know this from you know having worked in the world of crypto and seen a lot of different uh you know venture money try and, and 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 touch these underlying assets but the overall you know internal uh bureaucracy that goes with actually being approved to be able to hold these assets or the 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 process that it was taking was quite long um and so I think the biggest win from that immediately obviously was those, those institutional retail guys but over time um, I think what its impact is also going to do is it's going to challenge. And just like as the underlying asset and going back to what i was saying about you know money and like bitcoin's best use case today in you know at least from my personal opinion i've been uh pretty strong and vocal about that is you know crypto's best use case as a whole is you know peer-to-peer payments but we're currently not using it um and i think that biggest that big gap is kind of you know what's going to continually uh you know pop up into the near future as you know people want to have more options and uh, you know more ways of of gaining exposure to the asset class, but then also ultimately using it. So, from Galaxy's perspective, we want to hope that um, you know we want we want to bring utility to these assets in the same way that the ETF brought utility to the institutional market for crypto. Um, you know, we want to bring utility for you know the average person to be able to use it for 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 how it was intended to be used. That's awesome, Solo Darren.
3: Yeah, so Alex, I was wondering if you've seen an uptick in members that uh, have been joining the Chamber of Commerce. Is there are there more members, and are there more members that are are focused around securities tokenization?
5: Uh, there are more members, and I think the market's also picking up, so that's helping, and we're seeing more interest. Um, I we've actually had uh, we we were, we're organizing working groups. Um. And our biggest working group is actually all around, we call it the Token Alliance. It's led by a woman that's the president of the SEC Alumni Association. Uh, She knows the space very, very well. And so this is actually by far our biggest group with both both law firms, um, consulting firms, and many uh, crypto native companies in that working group. So this is the next frontier for us.
3: And um, uh, Matt, so I was wondering, Do you think that eight Bitcoin ETFs spot Bitcoin ETFs is an appropriate number? Do you think over time we're gonna see uh, competition take place and kind of more concentration in in the ETF market? Yeah, great
4: question. You know, I come from an ETF background. I spent 15 years in the ETF industry, including as CEO of ETF.com. And usually what you see is that one or two ETFs dominate the market. But this is an atypical situation. You had um, all of these ETFs launching at once from a number of well-established providers. My expectation is that there'll be some narrowing. I don't know that we'll always have eight, but I think there'll be five or six that are really successful. And part of the reason for that is that different people have different you know, advantages in this market. I mean, BlackRock is out there. It's the largest asset manager in the world. It has a great reputation of running ETFs, and many people will find that trustworthy. You know, we're out there with a 20% lower fee, seven years of crypto expertise, a deep research bench, and we donate 10% of the profits from our ETF back to Bitcoin core developers. And so uh, that will resonate with a different community as well. So I, you know, I, I would suspect that there are a handful of winners. I don't know that we need eight, but I don't think this is going to concentrate down to one. I think this is a, you know, space measured in the tens or hundreds of billions of dollars eventually. And uh, there's probably room for five or six winners in that space. And, you know, I'm hopeful that Bitwise is one of them.
1: Matt, do you think, um, you know, given given the ETFs going live um, in the eight issuers, as far as right now is concerned, do you think that over time, that's what you guys are doing from the traditional finance purview, is it might put a little bit of pressure on some of the centralized exchanges that people use on a daily basis as far as fees, things like that. I'm thinking like maybe Coin, uh, Coinbase, Binance US. Um, would love how you, you know, kind of picture the, the intermingling of what people might actually be using moving forward to, um, to have access into these, uh, this asset class.
4: Yeah, it's a great question. And I, there's a two part answer to it. So, one, ETFs are going to drive fees down across the spectrum. They're going to drive down custody fees. They're going to drive down trading fees and commissions. So I do think there will be fee compression. But I actually have sort of an alternative view, which long term, I think this will be good for all the existing players in the ecosystem. And the tie I make for that is actually back to gold. So we have one historical example in ETFs of this, which is In 2004, the first gold ETF launched, and it was hugely successful, attracted $100 billion in assets over time, uh, became a, a, a primary way that people trade gold. And when it launched, everyone wondered, what would this mean for the dealers of gold bars and coins? Because that's how people accessed gold before the ETF launched. Won't it crush them? Won't it crush their margins? And a funny thing happened, which is the volume of gold bar and coin sales rose 5X in the five years following the debut of the ETF. And that doesn't make sense at first because surely some of the people that would have bought gold bars bought the ETF instead. But what it speaks to is that the gold ETF did such a big task of moving gold into the mainstream that it just attracted a huge number of investors into the gold ecosystem. So even though there was competition and prices were down, Uh, The gold ETF was actually good for those service providers. I think that's what we'll see here too. I think trading commissions are going to come down, custody is going to come down, the whole ecosystem is going to get cheaper. But as the old saying goes, I think the the service providers will make it up in volume. So um, you know, I think this will be a long-term win for Coinbase. I think it'll be a long-term win for, for Kraken and others, even if they face some price competition. Just because the ETF is going to bring so many more investors into the crypto ecosystem, I think that will be the overwhelming factor. Thanks, Matt. Um, quick
1: question, I guess, for both panelists that we have up here today. I mean, looking ahead, um, obviously, spot Bitcoin ETFs through the door. We, there's, you know, there's some financial additional financial products out there. Um, I'm curious what both of you, uh, your gentlemen's thoughts are on the evolution of uh, crypto investment products. I guess mainly what I'm trying to ask is. Do you think that this sets a bit of a precedence for maybe additional digital assets to get a foot in the door? And what are your thoughts on what, what that scenario might look like moving forward?
4: Yeah, I'll take a, a, a quick stab at that. I definitely think this sets a precedent for the potential approval of uh, Ethereum ETFs in the future. I don't think it will be that easy. I don't know that it will happen in the next few months, but I think there's a clear path to that. I also think you're going to see um, interesting activity outside of just the ETFs, again, that ecosystem solution. So I know at Bitwise, we've been having conversations with advisors about our ETFs and about our private funds. So I think this is going to spur interest in crypto broadly. I I think it's a, a sort of 10xing of the investable space. And from a product perspective, you're going to see that in ETFs, in private funds, in hedge funds, uh, in all sorts of venues, and you know that'll that'll play out over the next few years
5: yeah i I would agree with that. I'm excited for the ethereum etf I think we need to temper our expectations a little bit, <laughs> um, especially again we'll see what the courts decide and how the SEC plays. I think ethereum going to proof of stake is actually uh detrimental for them, but we'll see how it all comes and, and plays out um just to uh Echo what Matt said, I think we're going to see some other products coming to market in full force. We're talking about like options, covered calls, exotics, and so on and so forth, sitting on top of the ETF. And uh, I don't know, for me, it's a bit of an unknown, unknown how the market digests all this and prices this in. But I would encourage us to think outside of the ETFs, we're really monetizing Bitcoin now and and merging our world with TradFi. And Shopify's world of exotics and options and, and other very creative financial products, I think, are just going to get started with Bitcoin. And I would say, look, let's not forget about what Salvador is doing and MicroStrategy is doing. Just from a financial innovation perspective of creating you know, convertible debt that's convertible back into Bitcoin, those products haven't seen mainstream at all. And I think the ETF can be, and Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, but to me, the ETF can be a conduit for that, just because it's a product that everyone understands. You don't need to worry about custody. It's sitting in all the RIAs uh, It's at it the fingertips, and it's it fits in with the world that most of Chatfly is familiar with.
1: I wanted to. Uh, didn't I'm sorry, uh, Matt. Were you responding? I didn't. I couldn't hear you.
4: Oh, no, I just, I, I I agree completely with that. It definitely opens the doors and then and then you can have further conversations. I mean, this is going to spur massive interest uh, across the crypto ecosystem is my expectation.
1: I, I would like to say, you know, one of the things that we always try to do within these spaces is uh, kind of create synergy uh, or networking opportunities for individuals who are up here on the panel. So um, I'm not sure if Alex or Cody, you guys have had the pleasure of speaking with Bitwise yet, but i um, certainly excited to kind of Uh, have that occur during the space and would love to kind of open it up while we have kind of maybe 10 minutes left here uh if you gentlemen have any questions or thoughts uh for each other or that we might have missed uh please feel free
4: to uh share
5: i have a question for matt and this is something that i've been wondering about mechanically the etf right so if i if i have a hundred dollar sell order in GBTC, and then a hundred dollar buy order on bitwise if I sell GBTC, does it sell T zero? And when I buy Bitwise ETF, yeah. does it settle T plus two? Is that timing? Does the does the selling happen earlier than the buying? What's the actual timing of it?
4: Oh wow, fascinating question. Um, as a as an individual investor, when you buy and sell, it'll follow normal settlement procedures, which is to say, it'll be reflected in your brokerage account. Immediately and then the stock settlement will typically take place T plus one. You know, I think what you're what what the the bigger question is from an institutional perspective, when is Bitwise buying uh Bitcoin and when is Grayscale uh selling Bitcoin? And the answer there is frustratingly complex. The the market makers who facilitate the sort of sale to you of a hundred shares have multiple days to potentially settle that with uh, the, the ETF issuer, if they're creating or redeeming shares, certainly three days up to six, they don't always take all those days. Um, but uh, but they can, you know, for, for once once the market makers do actually process the creation or redemption orders, Bitwise is buying those uh, buying the Bitcoin same day. So like on day one, we got two hundred thirty seven million dollars of creations that means people wired us $237 million of cash. And we we put that into the market and bought Bitcoin between 3 and 4 p.m. on Thursday, the day it launched. But uh, but the market makers do have multiple days to to settle those transactions, which is why when you think about flows, you should really think about them sort of smoothed out over a one-week process. And I know that's frustrating, but Hey, that's why we're all here trying to replace it with a better financial ecosystem.
5: We took a transparent system and made it opaque. I love it.
4: <laughs> that is the irony. It's, uh, it's, it's painful, um, but you know it, it's it's part of the process. And ultimately, I do think an ETF will help Bitcoin gets to getting getting to where it is ultimately going. Uh, but yes, there is an irony in this mismatch.
1: Um, I am going to kind of r- run round table here with some closing thoughts. Um, I guess from Genfinity's purview, we are um, super honored to have uh, all of you guys up here today. I know that we had Eleanor Tourette on from Fox Business earlier, um, CEO of Calaxy. Uh, so really building out a social and user experience within Web3, Solo Cise, uh, Alex Chizik and Cody Carbone from the Digital Chamber or Chamber of Digital Commerce. Um, Darren Moore Jr. Uh, as always up here as a co-host does such a great job helping out with questions and everything else, um, as well as Matt Hogan from um, Bitwise CIO at Bitwise. Bitwise again, um, right now does offer the lowest fees uh, for the for the spot Bitcoin ETF aspects. Um, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna run down through here, and I should also kind of preface this. I mentioned it at the beginning. Um, I think the Bitcoin ETFs now replacing silver over the past couple of days for number two uh, bitwise $370 million in inflows in the first four days of trading, which is, which is massive. Um, I'm going to go around Robin here. Uh, any closing thoughts the panel has up here uh, feel free and I'll start with solo. Uh, if you have any closing thoughts, that'd be fantastic.
6: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I think uh, obviously, well, thank you for letting me be a part of this conversation. I think it was uh unbelievable uh you know development that we've seen in, uh you know bitcoin's uh you know rather not short but like you know short-ish history um that's starting to get into medium and long term um at this point and so it's uh you know really exciting to see wall street acknowledge uh you know this technology or at least be forced whether it was forced or not um you know acknowledge the value and the power behind uh you know empowering the individual and allowing us to in aggregate and collectively, um, you know, transmit value together versus that being dictated by you know one party. Um, and uh, you know, yeah, just looking forward to the the developments that come on the back of this. You know, as uh, you know, Matt mentioned from Bitwise, it's going to be one of those things where it does really help. Um, you know, put Bitcoin or the, event, the amount of invested capital into the asset class. It's only going to be helpful. Um, you know, the more flows that come in over time, um, you know, how important the asset class and, and and how vital of an ecosystem it will become um, to all of us in our everyday lives. And, uh, you know, just helpful and um, just excited and uh, to, to play a, a minor role in that by building products that help us use these technologies and Hopefully, you know, there will be a day when, um, you know, we're not only just investing our capital in this asset class, but we're able to, you know, transact with it, move it very easily and, um, you know, reap all the benefits that come with, uh, you know, being the being your own bank and also, you know, actually holding your own money in your own pocket for once. Um, you know, so I think that's a, that's it. We're going to tap cap it off. Awesome. Thank you. Solo uh,
1: Alex from the uh, Chamber of Digital Commerce. Um, I definitely uh, would love for you to talk about how to support uh, as well. But uh, any closing thoughts that you might have,
3: sir, feel free.
5: Yeah, first of all, thank you for having having me on. Love these spaces. You guys do a fantastic job. Um, uh, big year, when, election year. Get involved. With representatives, with us, digitalchamber.org/slash/donate. Um, every little bit helps. Sometimes I joke we're like John Snow in the wall. You know, everyone else is, is hanging out. We're, we're the few that are standing and trying to protect this industry. And it's daunting sometimes. I, I, I empathize with Matt about dealing with the SEC. It's uh, it's daunting. But, you know, we have to do it. And so please get involved in the elections. If you can, donate to us. or other trade organizations that do uh, wonderful work. Donate to them. We're all in it together. Um, but do get involved. You We cannot afford to sit 2024 out uh we need to we need to put pro crypto uh, legislators in their seats and when you're on your broker bitb look for bitb buy buy bitwise's uh etf
1: <laughs> not financial advice uh, <laughs> no uh, but uh, Matt from bit <laughs> Matt from bitwise as well. Um, any final thoughts, um, that you have, sir, uh, really excited to see what, uh, what's coming down the pipeline for uh bitwise as well. And thank you for joining today from, from our standpoint, but would love to hear your final thoughts.
4: Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been an honor. Uh, great to meet the other panelists and, uh, we, we treasure this opportunity. Also love that last comment. Uh, I appreciate it. I, I do think, uh, uh It would be good for the world to have a crypto asset manager that cares about crypto and and Bitwise deeply cares about crypto. I guess, as a closing comment, I would just say, you know, we are all trying to accomplish something extraordinary, which is to bring a new uh, self sovereign currency and a new apolitical settlement rail that's more efficient, more fair, more equitable into the world. And we've made extraordinary progress. Uh, I think we're on the right track, but it it takes a village. So all the people on this call are contributing, and and Bitwise is happy to do uh, its part. But it's been a real joy to be here. Thank you for having us. That being said,
1: um, just so you guys are aware, uh, moving forward towards the end of the month here, I don't think we've announced this publicly yet, but we do have the head of research uh, coming on from Ripple X to talk about XLS 40 and digital identity. Right after that, we've got Energy Web coming on. We have Eric Bethel uh, coming on, who's an enterprise advi- uh, enterprise advisory board member within Constellation. Eric was appointed by the President and Senate to represent the World Bank and spearheaded the World Bank's loan tokenization initiatives. Um, we've got a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline here. Uh, really excited to um, certainly want to have Bitwise back on again. Really excited to have Solo and Galaxy back on. Eleanor. Uh, And um, Alex and Cody, you guys are always welcome here. And thank you guys so much today. And as always, thank you, Darren. Uh, We will see you guys next time. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, guys.
4: Thanks, everyone.
0: Motherfuckers yeah. screaming out loud, looking for mercy before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come, first serve mentality stuck in the birds. I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works, and we'll see what other kinds of trash is under the dirt. We rape and plunder the earth, sit and wonder about the worth and play. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served. Motherfuckers walking around here looking faceless, trying to make a living, selling friendship bracelets. Dead ends dragging out the max amount of payments. Red down days, got them acting all bankless, yo fam, what, check these token knocks, they probing this bear, flexing broken eyes, I had to lay my soul down, I'm just roasting Nottas and then the end a long day, 11 bowls of chronic, never known the politic, I was born to frolic, it's been my policy to pollinate all over the plot, we got a lot of apologists jumping in at the top, we like to measure their velocity before they hit rock bottom, over impossible loss, it's all moss, and I'm liking the odds, Bond doing the morning, forming my Click the cap, though the road is highly involved. Flip a coin, diary falls. Motherfuckers screaming out loud, looking for mercy. Before they find themselves working a corner down in Jersey. What could be worse? Misrepresenting the first come, first serve. Mentality stuck in the burbs. I'll be numbing up first before discovering what works. And we'll see what other kinds of treasures under the dirt. We rape them under the earth, sit and wonder about the worth and play. Ring around the rosy while the thunder is served. Trying to figure out the max amount of dinner lay stacked in non toxic just to get a a place smacking on the hostage. Like the shit is play for keeps clowns, white knight, and all these Maybellines. They call it implausible, when model after model keeps on ripping off the coat and going full throttle beats Tearing apart your community, all these low hanging fruits bearing zero liquidity. Got a planet in reach, coming standard to each. I'm on the back, ten star gazing after the siege. Commanding all the management to grab a few seats, and then we'll round up the beast and send a messenger east. Y'all better sign a release when I'm bumping these beats. Hands up if I got my.